Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace. And before we get into today's episode, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor, Cincy Shirts. Look, you know Cincy Shirts. You love Cincy Shirts. They've been with FC Cincinnati from the beginning. And we're just huge fans of their work here at The Post and happy to have them on as a sponsor. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, check out using the promo code ThePostCincy. That's all one word, all caps. You will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you there. They have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online or in two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. And the cool thing about the in-store locations, if they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. Also, the promo code works in stores as long as you tell them. And that promo code is, again, the post Cincy with a Y, all one word, all caps, or use the link down in the description of this podcast. And thank you so much to Cincy Shirts for sponsoring this episode. And on this episode of the Postcast, we have a heck of a game to recap for you. Sporting Kansas City and FC Cincinnati in the League's Cup in a wild, wild game that had everything in it. Early game dramatics, late game dramatics, penalty shootouts, own goals, red cards. You want it. It's in this game. Everything you could ever want. Gosh, this was a ton of fun and incredibly infuriating all at the same time. Just a wild, wild game to cover. Then in part two, we got to speak with Kenny Arena, FC Cincinnati assistant coach and someone that has worked in MLS for a long, long time. We get his thoughts on this team. How does it compare to some of the other championship winning teams that he's been on? And what what should we be looking for in this team and, and talking about some of the players that have really stepped up to make this year something special so far in part three we briefly touch on the chivas game before we get out of there i will say just a quick note if you're looking for a larger leagues cup discussion look for that a little bit later this week we try to keep this one fcc centric and that's going to be your postcast Joining me to talk about all of that and more are two gentlemen who were also utterly confused about what happened at the very beginning of this game. We've got Grayson. We've got Chief. Chief, question to you. We've experienced the League's Cup. We still we still thumbs up or thumbs down on the League's Cup? I know we oh. will talk about the League's Cup later. I need oh a God. thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs. If the thumb was any higher... <laughs> It would be freezing in the vacuum of space. This tournament is like snorting dried Robitussin. It's just, it's everything I could hope it would be and more. We have penalty kick shootouts. We've got fouls being given in the box at the death. This, this game was bananas. It, whatever you paid to get into this game, you got your money's worth for it. Whatever you were looking for. I brought a friend who had never been to an FC Cincinnati match before. <laughs> and we walked out and I was like, well, you've experienced everything there is to experience about a soccer game. 
yeah. in the span of 90 minutes plus a, a, a delay. So congratulations. This is <laughs> it doesn't get any better from here. Grayson, um, I don't know if uh, your seating situation was anything like mine. Uh, right in front of us uh, was a group of girls who were very into the game. They were clapping along with the Bailey the entire time. They were all into it. And then around the 85th minute, they got up and left. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> did you have anybody else leave at, let's say, the wrong time around you? <laughs> yeah, actually a few people. Um, there were these, I was a couple rows back from where I normally sit because the folks that sit next to me wanted to bring like their whole family. Mm. So we worked, so they got us two other tickets in the section so that they could all sit together. Oh, nice. It, it worked out, you know, well, um, but there were like two very fun, let's say mature women. <laughs> and what's a what's a <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to say anything potentially uh oh just uh, go for it Christ two 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 older ladies okay uh next to me <laughs> who were very uh you know very into the game very into the team um they were sh they were shouting vamos um as the That's players good. went out so That's I get good. to see it that got to happen three times one at the beginning <laughs> of the game one after the lightning delay and one after halftime. Oh, uh, but they did leave at like 80, 80 minutes. Right. <laughs> um, but there was enough people that had left that actually for penalties, we moved down to where our friends and their family were. And we all got to, we all ended up with like that whole row to ourselves. We got to like experience that, you know, in one big group, which, which was very fun. Yeah, it's like having oh. an entire airplane seat row to yourself. You can just there's so much more room for activities when you've got all that space <laughs> to just physically consume soccer, especially during PKs where you want to wild out a little bit. You want to be able to yell and cheer and do whatever. Having those extra seats around you, huge difference. Yeah. Wizened. Maybe I should have said wizened. Wizened. <laughs> sure, sure. Wizened women. It's got a little alliterative, too. I mean, I like to think wisdom could come from any age, um, but yeah, sure. I, I, I did. <laughs> I did get my viewing experience at one point derailed by a guy sitting in front of me. Oh no! Where my, my bad. <laughs> when uh, when Roger Espinoza came in, I remarked to my sister, "Oh, he went to Ohio State. Um, he was actually played with Ohio State when they made the the college national championship." And the guy like heard me say that, and he turned around, and he's like. I coach college. Ohio State has never made the college national championship. <laughs> I was like, excuse me? <laughs> what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, they're terrible. I'm like, maybe they're terrible now. Right. I don't follow college soccer. <laughs> but, These things tend to go through phases, my guy. So like at like the 65th minute or whatever, I'm like literally having a conversation with a guy in front of me where I'm showing him a Wikipedia entry. <laughs> like, this is, and I'm like, I'm like, this is an insane, this is such a stupid thing to be experiencing this, this feel, in the middle of a soccer game. This is like very Victorian England. It's just the man turns around, excuse me, good man, you appear to be mistaken. And then there's an argument that ensues. Yeah, he should have known better. Like, look, I am like one of the top 
content creators. <laughs> For FC Cincinnati and arguably all of MLS. I have a podcast with dozens of listeners, sir. sir. Did you, How did, dare you, freedom you of inform- did you Freedom of Information Act the uh, referees CBA? I did. <laughs> you want to argue about you want to argue with me about about history? Have you seen the film United Passions? I have. <laughs> I I, I, I'm going to assume this gentleman was also wise. Was he a, was he a, a wizened? He was, fair, he was fairly wizened. Yeah. I, uh, because I think for most younger people, I think the instinct is to hear something like, and go, bullshit. Ohio state never made it. And then to themselves look up on Wikipedia and see, Oh, son of a bitch. Instead of to immediately turn around and get into an argument on something that is so incredibly provable. that It's just, I love it as a real old man move. (laughs) I remember this. Um, I remember this, uh, this American life episode. I'm getting to a point. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) I I asked the court for some, some leeway here. (laughs) (laughs) I remember this American Life episode where they were chasing down whether um, calamari is some like calamari is yes. made from like pig, pig bung butthole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they talked to a marine biologist. So it got it started because they were talking to some guy who works in like a meatpacking factory. Right. And yeah. he's like, they told me that the bung is going to be used for calamari. And then um, they talked to a marine biologist who said that it was nonsense. And they went back to the factory guy and he was like, you can be a marine biologist all you want. I'm telling you, that is bung. <laughs> and I think about that all the time. Like, I always want to say it. Like, you could be, you could call college coach all you want. <laughs> Ohio State made the college cup in 2007. <laughs> uh, if I remember correctly, I'm just strictly shooting from the hip. I will not look this up. Something like 25 to 30% of the calamari that they randomly tested from restaurants was probably pig butthole. So there you go. I believe their results of the art of the piece were inconclusive okay okay yeah so that's the problem though is that i want those results to be conclusive i don't (laughs) if i'm ordering seafood at a restaurant i want the results to be very conclusive that was like the thing they did with subway a few years back where they were testing the tuna and they were like we can't prove this isn't cat food and i'm like well that's we've gone too far (laughs) i'm never ordering this again if if it's chewy and deep fried, I really don't think you have much room to complain. So long as it's human grade edible, you're probably fine. The other problem, too, is that the ultimate like end of this debate is somebody eventually says, well, you eat hot dogs, don't you? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, with Skyline chili on top of it and cheese. When's that video coming out of the Izzy's potato pancake, Kevin? Come on. Soon. Soon. Are you I- going to blur my face on that? I no. see Grayson has all these writers. <laughs> it's this whole thing. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you, either, you either blur my face or pay me my uh, like likeness fee. Yeah. You can have all of the ad revenue that it inevitably makes. Oh, God. Uh, well, no. Uh, before we get that video up, let's yeah, talk send, about. Send, send that video to his new employers and see. See if that changes any decisions that are being made. <laughs> we'll drag him out into the sunlight one way or the other. Uh, no, League's Cup kicked off for FC Cincinnati on Sunday. It ended in a, I think, by all accounts, neutrals or fans of either team, a thrilling 3-3 draw. That 
itself ended in a 4-2 penalty kick uh, win for Cincinnati. This game, I think I tweeted it out from the Post's account, and Chief, you, you mentioned it as well. Everything that can happen in a soccer game probably happened in this soccer game. That This game had everything with it. Uh, now, before we get to everything in it, let's quickly touch on the lineup because... We talked about it on this podcast. People have talked about it as well. How seriously would FC Cincinnati take this tournament? And the lineup we got, Alec Can in goal, Haglin, Mosquera, Murphy along the back line, Barial and Alvis Powell out wide, Malik Pinto, Junior Moreno in the midfield behind Lucho Acosta with Brandon Vasquez and Aaron Bupenza up top. Chief? We were trying to win this one, huh? We're trying to yeah. win this tournament. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at that lineup, and that's a going for it lineup right there. Um, and it's interesting to, to think, I, I commented on this online, that it's a testament to where the depth of the roster is right now, that you can have a designated player out of the lineup in Wobodo. You can have your top TAM player out of the lineup in Matt Miazga. And you can still look at that and say, oh, they're going for it tonight. Yeah. That's kind of kind, kind of cool. Now, as it turns out, Miazga on the bench might not have been the best decision. And we'll get into that. <laughs> but yeah, I was excited by the lineup. And I was very excited that Papenza was starting. Um, it turns out that he's still on a minutes limit as he works his way back in. I think Tom Galoiter uh, corrected me on that on in the replies on Twitter earlier today. And, um, but just seeing him out there with Brandon Vasquez. What, uh, where did Tom Galetter correct you? On the, uh, in the replies on Twitter. I don't know what that is. On X, I'm sorry. (laughs) God damn it. God, he, he, he zeded me. How how are we pronouncing this? I am, uh, I'm choosing to pronounce it like they do in South Africa. So that's uh, uh, a shoot or a sheet. The sheet. X is going to be pronounced as an SH. Yeah. Can we call it a Sholo? A Sholo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a pro X individual. Um, I'm going down with the ship, babe. Like you can call it whatever you want. Just don't call me late to dinner. Um, when they, so when yes. they asked me to apply to refinance, that's when I'm out. <laughs> as long as i can still post and read the the whatever you're calling them for free right that's where i'll be look yeah. e- elon i know you're a, you're a listener here we will be the first x cast we'll call it that we'll switch i'll switch the, i i can be bought new model y in the driveway tomorrow it's the X cast. We are officially all in on X. Um, I'm here for it. We will I sell the podcast to X yes. for. And this is negotiable, negotiable, but it's, you know, I don't want to be offended. I don't want to undervalue us. So. Fifty million dollars. Mm, seems a little. What is that? One one hundredth of an Mbappe, I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's cheap. That's cheap when you think we'll about anchor it. the negotiation at fifty million. I need a new car. The Patriot just hit two hundred thousand miles. We'll we'll 
the asking price is 50 million. I'm willing to negotiate down to a free car. Like we can make this happen right here. Somewhere in there is our number. <laughs> Back to the lineup though. Please. Uh before X is going to give it to us. Um love to see Aaron Bapenza out there. And in that moment when that lineup drops, you can start to think of potential. Lucho, Bapenza, Vasquez, Barial, all in the same field and it moves a little when you see that in writing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess there was there was always the thought that this could have been a heavily rotated game. Maybe you try against Chivas or maybe the other way around. But yeah, I mean, there was no reason not to go. This This match in particular fell in line with where league matches would have shown up anyway. I mean, let's... It was like a little rotated. They didn't have sure. Obi out there. They didn't have Miazga out there. Alec Can was playing yeah. goalkeeper. Uh, Pal was starting it right back in place of Santi Arias, who uh, <laughs> is is working on his his visa stuff, which we're not going to talk about. <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about it. Um, and uh, uh, but it still was like, yeah, you still look at it and you're like. This is a very exciting attack. And overall, this is a competitive, good lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've not followed Kansas City that closely this year. Shocker. I know the podcast that infamously doesn't watch MLS. Based on what very little I know, that looked like about their equivalent lineup to us, which was about half rotated, maybe a little less. Uh, not their normal keeper, and yeah, yeah. it was the normal keeper. Was it? Yeah, Pulse Camp is is I believe been their starter this year. I just assumed Timelia was gonna die back there, so if it's not Timelia, I don't recognize him. Um, so yeah, so game on, and I first moment, first key moment of the match, Nick Haglin with a just a, an incredible banger of a header on this one. You could not ask for Vasquez or Brenner or Bupenza to have placed their head on a better header than Naglin did right back into FC Cincinnati's own goal. Yeah. Um, it was rough, rough moment for Nick. It, it was the best own goal I have ever seen in my life. It's up there. And this is, this is the start of, you see a little bit of everything in this game. I have never seen a cleaner header. <laughs> like if you reverse the footage, it looks like a breakaway. Right. <laughs> S- uh, slotted right inside the post. Um, I saw I don't have a lot of headlines this week oh. just because I know we're trying to keep the, uh, the we got a special guest that we're trying to save time for. Uh, I did see this in Variety. I'll never be over Macho Grande. Nick Haglin channels his inner striker going full airplane for opening own goal. <laughs> um, it just, you know have, what? You know what? Yeah. Bravo to Nick Haglin. Maybe this was a cry for him to say that he wants more action on set pieces. That, hey, I can get high. I can get my head on the ball. And I know I, I just when I get my head on the ball, I'm looking for the net. I got one thing in mind. It's the back of the net. Yeah. 
this is this is something I have in my toolbox. Yeah, it had uh, shades of uh, Robin Van Persie, 2014 World Cup, the uh, incredible diving header in that one. No, it's an unfortunate play. He's making a good play on the ball. You've seen this play happen a thousand and one times. It's always a close call, a little bit of a gamble, but the defender usually heads it clear. Um, I think it's a toss-up for me as to whether or not it would have resulted in a goal had Hagelin not done that. I feel pretty confident they had a, uh, I don't have the play up in front of me. I feel pretty confident they had an attacker uh, streaking into the box at that same time. Maybe can gets a better chance to play the ball, but it's, I don't know. It was a dangerous play either way on that one. They did have somebody, I think right behind Nick. I yeah. didn't go back and rewatch, so I could be wrong here, but I, I think, you know, best of my recollection, I think Polito may have been there. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a bit of danger. So I don't, you can't blame him for needing to make a play on the ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. It sucks. You know, it's, 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 yeah, it sucks, sucks. But he it's didn't a do it on it's purpose. No, <laughs> that'd be a hell of an accusation. <laughs> right. Yeah, the match fixing doesn't start until Miami gets here. Um, right. <laughs> no, it's we. This team asks its center backs to play with fire. They ask them to play with an edge. They ask them to, you know, to pressure, to um, to try and cut passing lanes off, to be aggressive and. Mm -hmm. The downside to asking your center backs to play aggressive is that occasionally you're going to have center backs that get left in or backline players that get left in 1v1 situations where they have to make a tough play. And the trade-off for this happening one time is the countless other times where that has resulted in the play being stopped and immediate dispossession and going back on the offensive side so you live with it it happens the only reason that this sticks out is just how cleanly he scored it <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> it, it is unfortunate there um i don't know if there's much more to talk about on this goal um i'm happy to move on from it if no, you it guys just, are just just sucks fluke thing and the tough yeah. part is is that it happens so early in the match yeah. that it does it is a deflating moment but i don't know about you guys i just i've finally gotten over this thing where once fc cincinnati goes down that oh god they're never coming back from this it just i've seen this team persevere they fight to the final whistle there's an incredible amount of attacking talent on this team so even going down one nil like this, and yeah, they got this. They'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. I had the same thought. I was like, this is this is not something that we're gonna see repeated no. you know, right. later in the game. Like I mean, like like Kansas City is gonna have to do something else to score. Yeah. Again. And we're I believe at that point in time we were already getting opportunities. And then like we did almost score right after it, where uh Brandon brought down that ball in the box and put left it in front of Bupenza and Bupenza had a nice look and yeah. just, you know, pulls camp made a save, but like it, 
you know, that would, but that was like the type of thing that I was expecting to happen that yeah. our attackers were going to start, we're going to generate plenty of opportunities. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I, I had the same thought as well. This team was still in it. We'd actually seen this script before when um, Baji gives up that uh, that awful own goal off of his foot when Celentano sort of pushed it into his foot. We saw that one before, and they, they came back from that one yeah, as well. Yeah, awful in the sense of like a fluky, unlucky yeah. own yeah, goal, yeah, yeah. not like awful <laughs> that Baji did like <laughs> yeah, anything sorry. like you know horribly wrong on that one either yeah. but uh, awful in like just, an empathetic way <laughs> and just to put, just to put yeah. your mind at ease on this too in the interim seconds i have gone back and watched this again if Haglin doesn't make this play it's a tap-in goal yeah or doesn't yeah. at least make an effort on the ball like somebody somebody was scoring on that play it just happened to be nick Haglund, unfortunately. <laughs> Hey, if it's going to be somebody, I'd rather it be us, right? I think. Right. Uh, immediately following this goal, both Ian Murphy and Yerson Mosquera pick up yellow cards. Uh, not ideal. Not an ideal start to the game. 11 I do think, minutes in. not to dwell on this, but I do think that we feel differently about it. If they generate a tap-in goal yes. for Polito versus an own goal, which feels very unfortunate, but also fluky yeah even if you even if you could argue that like it's not really because he has to play the ball in a difficult position you know i feel bad if the defense i feel worse if the defense gets like broken down and gives up a tap in than if like they win the ball and it just happens to just take a bad bounce yeah right yeah that's very fair did you also did did anyone everyone else here when murphy picked up his yellow card think is he really going to do it again? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ian Murphy has the chance to do the funniest thing ever. <laughs> because if he does that again, I'm on my phone Googling what is the most number of double yellow reds a player has seen in a season in all competitions in MLS. And I'm betting if he's not setting the record there, or tying the record, he's getting pretty damn close with three. <laughs> what? Or like, what about like in a row? Yeah, right. <laughs> in a row is one thing. Uh, maybe, maybe you start looking at shady Southeast Asian betting sites on uh, someone who will give you odds on uh, red cards for a player. You know, eh? I didn't see what happened. <laughs> I I guess he cleared out a guy far up the field. That would be more of that aggressive play that they want from the center backs, and yeah, you know Murphy maybe not being so comfortable playing on the edge again like i'm going i did not see what he did live so i'm going off of like what people described happened i mean that was kind of everything with this referee which is okay yellow card's been awarded based on generally what i saw i think this is what happened but maybe not i didn't actually see that thing happen i call him vibes yellow yeah. Where did he commit a foul? Maybe. But the vibes for what he did were kind of off. So we're going to give a card for that. <laughs> kind of like later on in this match, we'll talk about it, where Aaron Bapenza gets a yellow for what was described in the broadcast as time wasting for slamming the ball down in frustration that he had been fouled three times. And it took till the third time for him to finally get a call. And it's like he gets a yellow for time wasting. My man, we're down two goals at this point. He's not time wasting. He's just really hacked off at how bad you are at your job. <laughs> Vibes yellows. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so nine minutes uh, is the Haglin own goal. Ian Murphy at 10 minutes is a yellow card. Here's from Mosquera, 11 minutes, yellow card. And in the 12th minute, uh, Rosario scores on the free kick, uh, the, the assisted free kick, diving header as well uh into uh more of a more of a glancing header yeah fair 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 not not as well hit or as driven as Eglin's. um but gets a pass can and now the vibes start to change down to nothing within 12 minutes and it's been a rough three four minute stretch for the old orange and blue there yeah it's one of those things too where um we've talked about it before uh, when this team goes south, they go south badly. Yeah. And at this point, the worry was for me that we're going to have another uh, St. Louis FC, DC United situation where we're in full catastrophe mode. And credit to the team, though, that's about as bad of a start as you can have to a soccer match in the first 15 minutes. It's like the worst five minutes <laughs> yeah. a, a back line has ever had. Right. <laughs> very, very FCC MLS 1.0 in the outcomes for this. But they, they settled down. Um, yeah. They got the helped a little thing, bit along the way, but they, they definitely settled down. The only thing I was sure of after going down 2-0 was that they would not lose 2-0 or 2-1. Hmm. I was like, either they're going to come back and win the game, or they're going to lose 4 or 5 nothing. We're going to get right. blown the hell out. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Is there anything to be said? I, I remember people mentioning this earlier in the year, and now that I was about to bring it up, I can't think of any good examples. Set piece defense. I mean, it's hard to judge it without Celentano there um, in terms of the long haul of this, but. I mean, I think there's probably something to the idea. And like, look, you know, when you watch this team, it's hard not to notice that Lucho Acosta is the captain and he is the emotional leader of this team. If there's a 1B to the captaincy, it's Matt Miazga. Yeah. And when you're actually at games, they don't show this on television as much, but during downtime and dead balls, Miazga goes over to the sidelines frequently to talk with Noonan, to talk with the coaching staff. And you pull Celentano out of a starting lineup and you pull Matt Miazga out of a starting lineup. If there's going to be a situation where you're going to have breakdowns on the back line in terms of communication, and that second goal, there was a little bit of lackadaisical marking um, at the uh, the far post that led to the goal. It's a little more understandable when you don't have the captain of the back line and the keeper in there, and you've got an entirely different communication system going with players who aren't used to working with one another the way that Khan is with um, or Can is with uh, Mascara, Murphy, and Haglin. It's just a different setup right there. So, yeah, I'm not worried about the set piece defense, but I, I, I would be in situations like this where it's an entirely different personnel grouping trying to defend them. I'm, yeah. I'm a little, I'm having a tough, I'm, so I'm watching the, the second goal back and I'm just, mm. I'm struggling to figure out like exactly like what the problem was. It feels like a miscommunication. Yeah. Because 
Hagland is in front of him and, you know, is it, like, it's probably like a really nicely hidden ball because I don't see how Hagland gets to it. Mascara is behind the guy, not really marking anybody. And then there's, I guess there's a question of should can be coming out, but it feels too far away from him. Like it yeah. feels too low and too far away from him for it to be the smart thing to do to come out and attack yeah. it. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. It does seem like a really nice, a nice run in the nicely hit, nicely hit ball. I think in real time, you're looking at it and you're like, Hagland had the own goal, right? And Hagland's guy scored, scored the uh, the second goal even if that's not entirely fair or reflective of everything that happened. Right. Yeah. There's an, there's an old Steve Spurrier line. The other team has scholarship players too. Um, <laughs> the, the other team pays their players as well. And occasionally, I mean, it was a really well-struck free kick if I'm remembering it correctly. Um, just good weight, good trajectory. And they made a nice play. And it, yeah, was it Hagelin's man? Yeah. Could they have done better defending it? Maybe, but it was a hell of a play and it was a goal. And, you move on, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a following... lot easier to have that attitude when you end up, you know, <laughs> coming back in the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go, going backwards is this is way easier. Um, yeah. The, the next moment, I, I, I can't remember anything happening between these two. FCC looked good. Like we were attacking the, uh, the chances were there. They started um, to back off a little bit. Like they're up two nil They're Yeah. I think everyone would agree. They're the inferior side in terms of form and in terms of talent, they looked like they were content to allow Cincinnati to bring pressure and defend. So that changes the look of the game up. Yeah. But, all of a sudden, <laughs> you can't give that much talent, that much space for that long. You know, trying trying to protect a two nothing victory for what seventy eight minutes probably wasn't going to happen. It, um, it wasn't going to happen, and it especially wasn't going to happen when Yerson Mascara <laughs> is doing what Yerson Mascara does <laughs> and encouraging your team to do something very stupid. And this oh, time, man. for the first time this year, it absolutely works. Yerson Mascara shit houses his way. Into Not the getting... first time this year. For a red card? For a red card. Oh, yeah, he's but... tried to draw a few of these before, but this is the first one where I think it's I mean, he successful. Got, he got the goal. He's he's won penalty. He's won at least one penalty. Um, he got, he that got the goal, 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 he got that goal taken away. Well, he, tried real, he tried real hard to draw red in, what was that one where he got headbutt? Where he, oh, he yeah. hit the deck. Was that NYCFC, I want to say? Yes, it was NYCFC. Yes. Yeah. It didn't work. But by the way, like it feels like like there's there's an increase of headbutts. Yeah. Happening. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I saw a headline about that in psychology today. It's not just his personality that's magnetic. Yerson Mascara reveals that head has attractive properties to draw contact. Hey. I saw I saw a tweet about uh, mascara, a what? you know, a a, a zit. Sheet, sure. A zoot, a Z suit. <laughs> Riot, Riot. Um, I saw, I saw one of those about about mascara uh, going down. You know, apparently spasming after the headbutt. Uh, it was just five hundred blue checks saying, 
uh, vaccinated question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This, so the moment is, I, I thought before the headbutt, mascara is getting thrown out of this game is it's a, it's a tough foul from mascara from Polito. Polito is holding on to him and they sort of like wrestle to the ground and they roll over each other once. Um, Mascara, like as they're getting up, sort of pushes him off of him, like uh, like shrugging Polito off of him. And Polito took great offense to this. And I do I do agree with some of the other comments I saw as well, which is I don't think Polito meant to headbutt him. I think he meant to get up in his face to intimidate and just completely misjudged where Mascara's head either was or was going to be and just plowed right into him. It is certainly one of the more violent headbutts I've seen in a soccer match. And that is that. Polito has shown a straight red and he is out of there. He may have been trying to rush at his face, but like play <laughs> stupid games, win stupid prizes is, yeah. is all you can say to that. Oh. That was probably of, of all the red cards I've ever seen awarded live at a soccer match. That one was far and away the most. Yep. You got your money's worth on that one. Congratulations, sir. The fact they checked it, that they actually stopped to check it. I was like, what in God's name are they looking at on this? That was about as egregious of a of a foul as I've seen in a really long time. Head to head contact by the direct definition of the letter of the law. This could not be more clearly a red card. So, Grayson, explain this one to me. So my concern, my worry was, was that they were looking to maybe award Mosquera either a card or a red card himself for instigating the uh, the situation. Is that not possible in a VAR check in which he was not carded? What were they really just double checking the Polito incident? What was happening there? So I believe you can use video assistant review and somebody can, I will not be offended if somebody corrects or clarifies what I'm saying here, because I did not go back and look it up, but I think they could only have given Mascara a card on VAR in that situation if they had determined it was like a straight red. I see. I don't think they can go back and retroactively give him a second yellow mm. after not giving him, you know, any kind of card. Um, you can you you can move a red down to a yellow. Right. You can move a yellow up to a red. You can go from nothing to a red. You can move a red to nothing. To nothing. Um, I don't believe you can move nothing to a yellow, although you can fix the idea. Yeah. You can fix the identity if you give the yellow to the wrong player which we saw last year, you can, you can fix a mistaken identity. Yeah. Um, on, on far, but, um, so they were, maybe they were looking at it to see if Mascara had done some violent conduct. Maybe they were looking at the, at the scrap afterwards to see if anybody else needed a, needed a red card. Yeah. But for me, like, am I glad? Well, in retrospect, I am, but like, do I want Mascara like pushing a guy (laughs) <laughs> especially when he's on a yellow every time he gets fouled i don't no um <laughs> yes i do Does- <laughs> i want this i want more of this i want he is such a shithead and 
anything he does that goes right up to the line, I'm fine with. As long as there, as long as there doesn't start to become a reputation for him to where he starts getting more calls going against him for doing this, if if that's the line he rides, I'm completely in favor of it. Yeah. So I just think with I just think with one yellow already so early in the game, it's a silly thing to do. Yeah. I'll yeah. say this is never. Counter- nevertheless, I'll say this is a those shoves happen all game, and we saw a bunch of them like right after the headbutt, and they're usually not cautioned. Now, the other thing so, with Mascara too is that like we've seen him do this before. He picks up early yellow cards, and he's done it in a couple of matches this season. He is very good at avoiding the second yellow. Just he, I don't know what it is. If he's got like some black magic or he's using the force or something like that. He knows exactly how to avoid doing what that whatever it would take to get that second yellow and getting thrown out of the game. So I've got some trust in him at this point. Yeah. Yeah, he he knows where the line is and is very very aware of that line. So now the trade-off is FCC is down to nothing, but up a man with 60 minutes left to play game on you know you, you yeah. assume one of those is a fluke goal you're, you're feeling pretty good about where this game is going to go you know they're going to pack it in you know they're already up ahead they're they're you know typically when you have a man sent off you you sub out your your leading striker there at some point and just sort of hold the result is what you're playing for there but uh no lucky for them their starting striker is the one with the straight red so no formation change necessary from them um and then it is just all fc cincinnati pressure from that point on and it did not take long for the fortunes to change 34th minute a corner kick lucho acosta takes the corner uh Passes it out to Barriel, who's standing outside of the uh, the box, who crosses it in himself and finds Ian Murphy, who then finds the uh, the goalpost, which finds the back of the goalkeeper's head, which finds the back of the net. Man, it was a whole lot of finding in that sequence. So it was a uh, it was a wild run of events, and yeah, Ian Murphy. I did all the hard work here. Got a lucky bounce off the keeper's head, sure. But otherwise, a very, very well taken uh, header and lovely little corner kick routine. Don't hate this one. The Acosta out to Barriel to sort of bring in a different cross from a different angle. Mind-blowing to me that they had lined up like this a couple of times on corners. Kansas City never put a guy on Barriel. I, no. I mean, you got it. You've already pulled one guy out to stand in between them. Put the guy on Barriel. But now FCC's up or FCC scores games two to one up a man. Not bad. You like it. Yeah, I like th- I like this idea of we've commented all year that Lucho Acosta's balls, um, his balls into the box off the corner. Have been of mixed quality. Yeah. And I like the idea of doing more two-man games with him and Barrial to get them moving on this. So I, I, I like that a lot. Um, I think it sucks for Ian Murphy that he doesn't get the goal on this. And this did remind me just briefly, and I want to backtrack a second and ask you guys this. What was the funnier own goal this season? Was it the Nick Hagelin direct 
header into the goal, or was it the own goal in St. Louis? It was in St. Louis. Hit the back of Celentano's head. Yeah, it yeah. was in St. Louis. Yeah, that's I, honestly huge props to Celentano for not having that break his confidence as a goalkeeper. That whole game could have sent him on a different trajectory. I feel like, and he bounced back great. He was I, truly I, a goldfish after that one. <laughs> until you said found the back of the keeper's head, I had completely forgotten that happened. I'd put it out of my mind, and now just replaying it, it's I guess it's funny in hindsight now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Right. So Ian Ian Murphy gets gets the own goal, and then yeah. we go immediately yes. to a lightning break, which some disagreement on whether there was severe weather. <laughs> we are not going to weigh into that. <laughs> Just the funniest controversy, quote unquote, between a local TV meteorologist and was it team official team comms? Is that what was happening or like former, a former, former, former team, team employee. employee? That's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. Former team employees saying lightning is severe weather. And the meteorologist saying it's a rainstorm and there was one lightning strike within 10 miles. Let me tell you, let me tell you, what is going to get me out of the Bailey (laughs) and into real seats? Getting kind of sick of being crammed into the hallway behind the bleachers. It's, uh, I don't know. I saw this this headline about this in uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly. Um, This is going to be some nerd cred right here. Lightning returns... Bailey supporters forced to relive final fantasy of being stuck in tiny, sweaty hallway. Wow. Electronic Gaming Monthly for a while there. Just the best publication. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah, it's it's you, your cool friends got EGM. Your lame friends got GamePro. And <sighs> I can't explain to you why that's the case. If you don't know, just if you were the Game Pro kid, I'm sorry for you. I got Nintendo Power. Oh. The Pravda of video game magazines. Yeah. <laughs> it was fine for what it was, but it was no EGM. Nintendo state-run media. <laughs> <laughs> and God help you if you had a Game Informer, right? Or uh right. yeah, man. That's a tough one. Um, someday no, kids are, someday kids are just not going to understand <laughs> that in order to get the news you had to wait until a printed book or uh, booklet arrived at your house that was about 80% advertising. Oh, the reviews were always the best part. I remember like sitting there with like $50 going like, all right, what game am I going to get? And just like reading the reviews of games to figure out which one there was. It was too hard to like build hype without that. You could like, well, oh, and when truly you, when you saw the reviews in EGM and it was like a nine or a 10 Ooh, it was a double take moment. It was like, wait a minute. I need to be buying this right here. Man, the greatest issue ever was like Halo one. Uh, it was Halo 1 or Halo 2, Grand Theft Auto 3, and fuck, I'm not going to... Oh, uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, all in the same issue. It's like, oh my God, this is Christmas right. morning. It's like, like at the dunk contest, just 10s going up everywhere. This <laughs> <laughs> is just the Mount Rushmore of gaming. Um, anyway, anyway, yeah. Uh, ridiculous. Uh, clearly the club doesn't listen to this podcast, thank God, because uh, no, there's no plan B for what to do with folks in the Bailey. They just cram them all in a concourse and uh, hope 
nobody else remembers other fan crushes in the history of soccer happening. What, I what guess. was great? What was great about this lightning delay was it happened immediately after the goal was scored. <laughs> yes. To where they could have blown this game dead a second earlier and this goal doesn't happen. Yep. And also, was I the only one just with how this game had gone that was half expecting as soon as they restart play for the official to make the VAR sign and go review the previous <laughs> goal for some reason? Like they spend the entire break doing nothing, but then as soon as they come back on the field it's we're going to review that and take that away <laughs> just just giving the the var crew way too much time to overanalyze the goal yeah <laughs> can i also ask this question kevin since you're the resident soccer expert or grayson sure. too you can answer this as well no why doesn't the clock stay running during the lightning delay that is a good point so there ha there's a similar situation that happened in or it, a situation I want to bring to mind. I think it happened in Barcelona, or maybe it was just against Barcelona in another Spanish stadium. It happened in the last year or so. Uh, a fan in the stands had a heart attack or a stroke, something like that. And the game was stopped for like an hour. And in that case, they did keep the clock running. And so they did play into like whatever, the 200th minute or something, because they were making up for... Uh, for the extra time there. I don't know what it is about the weather delay itself that allows a suspension. I guess they they put that in there so that they could potentially abandon the game to come back later, but I don't know. No, I just want to see the video. I want to see the board go up with 48 minutes of stoppage time. I think that would be incredible. <laughs> I I mean, after that New York Red Bulls uh playoff game last year, nothing would surprise me. <laughs> I also did think, um, I guess it was more the second half, but in the first half as well, not nearly enough extra time was being added on if we were following the sort of 2022 World Cup rules of extra time, of added time, of like, you know, every single moment of downtime should be accounted for. That was clearly not what was happening here. Oh, man. So, following the resumption of play, uh, FCC still giving a lot of possession to a team that was playing down a man, a team that was, I think, content to see out the game at two to one in their favor. And it really did feel like that a, uh, a substitution of both Miazga and Wobodo would do this team a lot of good, that they just weren't getting it together. I know Grayson was calling for these subs very so subtly on Twitter as well, on X as well. And at halftime, her prayers were answered. It turns out the coaching staff has eyeballs too. And Miazga and Woboto make it into the game. Chief, how many goals did you think we'd win by when you saw this sub? <laughs> I had us at like three to two, four to two. I sure. thought that this was going to be up a man. You're putting in your best. They were they were possessing a little too much. I think we all noticed that. And so you're putting in your best ball-winning midfielder. Yeah, you feel confident. I felt very confident at that point. And Miazga being on the back line gives them a little more freedom to push forward, I think, and to sort of compress the field, mm -hmm. which is what we saw initially when the substitutions were made. So, yeah, I was confident. Yeah, yeah. 
And all of a sudden, uh, barring, uh, you know, Arius and Celentano, that is basically the uh, the first team. So things are going well for FC Cincinnati. Uh, the pressure is certainly on there. And we get to the 50th minute where kind uh, fouls repeatedly fouls Aaron Bupenza to the point where, yeah, as as you mentioned already, Chief Bupenza slams the ball into the ground. MLS website is saying that's for dissent, which is funny because I don't know right. what he was dissenting against. The other guy did get a yellow card. The foul was awarded, but mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah, and game on. This is the 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 pressure is is being fully applied. Pressure's being uh, fully applied. Lucho is doing his little tricks. The team looks threatening for this stretch right here. I think yeah. that things switch off a little bit after this, but it all leads to uh, to a great moment. Lucho Acosta to Brandon Vasquez, just how you draw it up for a little bit of the, a tap in. Yeah. And you love to see it. I love to see Brandon Vasquez getting back on the score sheet. I love to see him doing what he excelled at last year, which was finding little areas of space and giving Lucho the ability to get the ball, play the ball into him in a central position. And then that's a finish he was scuffing earlier this year. And he makes the finish and you love to see it. Yeah. The the play itself too starts from a Mosquera long ball, which is probably a good time to bring this up. Mosquera's long balls incredible this game like he is very good at this they were incredible this game he his ability to pick out our guys uh cross field balls like that uh sort of like prime michael bradley is like uh, a very underrated skill that bradley had mosquera has this he's very good in particular of finding uh barrial way out wide which i right. absolutely love and and if you watch this game too like yeah. tactically speaking, you could see that the game plan was to overload the left-hand side. Lucho yeah. kept drifting out wide to the left where he would be to have abilities to play two-man games with uh, Barial over there, a lot of give and go. Um, and I think a lot of that was to compensate for the fact that with Santiago Arias out, like no disrespect to Alvis Powell, he is not of the quality and in the form that Arias was uh, coming into the League's Cup. And with Arias out on his international business, yeah. um, <laughs> that right side of the um, the field became something of a black hole offensively. So yeah. FCC kind of leaned into it and overloaded. And those, through, those balls that uh, Mascara was playing over the top, all part of the strategy, it seemed like, to try and get the ball out wide to that side of the field and then look for the opportunities to cut it back in. So I thought that was, it was a good game plan for the way the situation presented itself. And it led to them coming back, uh, scoring two goals up a man and, you know, putting themselves in a position to have a win. Yeah, yeah. That long ball in particular on this goal is actually misplayed by uh, the SKC defender. And I mean, the best in the biz, Lucho Acosta, is right there to pick up the pieces and uh, give give Vasquez that easy tap in. It's two to two at this point, and 
Yeah, you're expecting a winner here uh, from FCC that this team is just firing on all cylinders right right up until the 69th minute where, well, it's a little bit, little bit of a handball in the box there. Uh, Alvis Powell gets caught with his arm in a... I think slightly unfairly unnatural position. Uh, I do think if his arm isn't there, that ball is probably going into the back of the net and kind of converts the penalty uh, for SKC. Three to two, just the most absolute BS thing. It's just like, I don't know, the deflating feeling of having fought all the way back from that, that rough five minute stretch to being losing in uh with 20 minutes left i don't know just devastating i yeah, yeah. i don't know and, and up a man too which is infuriating right. like it was right. infuriating that they were conceding as much possession as they were after that second goal and you all you could all i could think about and i don't know if i'm was the only one was hold the ball right they they can't do this if you're holding the ball they shouldn't have opportunities to be pelting crosses in um because it was a it was a it was a clear penalty and then as soon as they they can they convert that pk they go into full time wasting mode oh yes just <laughs> just also they were in time wasting mode before that yes and yeah. i was shocked how how many times the ref told kansas city to get on with it and blew his whistle and said, get on with it yeah. before somebody got a time-wasting card. I don't know if I've seen a ref do it as often as this guy did, which is he would blow the whistle to restart play, and then he would blow the whistle at the player for like not throwing the ball in or not taking the kick. It's like, I don't, I don't know I've seen that too often. And yeah, it got super frustrating. Um the Bailey did not, I don't know, maybe, maybe they did, I couldn't hear it well. I really like it when the Bailey counts for the uh, the keeper's time when he's holding on to yeah. the ball. It's always he, my favorite. <laughs> he got a quick he got a quicker yellow than I was expecting for time wasting, but just the 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 rain delay shit of the throw-ins that no, I'm not gonna throw this in. I'm yes. gonna wait for the guy walking behind me to make the throw in. And it's you can just watch the clock. They're burning 30 seconds off every single time there's a stoppage in play, shortening the game. They did a really good job of it actually. I was kind of infuriated, but it's you're marveling too at just how well they're doing it. And I still felt confident they were gonna they were gonna tie. But as it gets deeper into it, it's just like fucking hell. You you can't give them these opportunities to, to, to see the game out like this. You've got to put more pressure on them. Yeah, yeah. And they had some chances. FC Cincinnati had some chances. Um, there were some annoyingly good chances. I think Vasquez hits the crossbar at yes. one point. There's an incredible save that their keeper has on, I want to say, was it Barial that shot it? or Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. yeah it, is that the one that like kind of looked like a – Goal, Barrial had scored a couple games ago against... Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, as as more of that happens, you're just like, fuck, this might be, might not be their <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, before we get to the final penalty here, I do want to point out, I thought this was interesting, uh, two substitutions in particular here towards the end. Um, 
Yuya Kubo for Ian Murphy, Marco Angulo for Yersin Mosquera. Those were before Kansas City's penalty. Uh, Kubo's was. Uh, the Mosquera one was later. Oh, you're right. But Kubo yeah. came in with Sergio Santos. Yes, right. he did come Before in with the penalty, Santos. Right. Which, like, I thought was really fun at the time because I was like, we're at two to two. We're making offensive subs. Yeah. We're, we're going for a win here but is what, what I felt like. What was interesting, though, is Yuya Kubo subs in for Ian Murphy, but Murphy gets replaced, actually, by Alvis Powell. Yeah. And Kubo plays right wing back, yeah. which I now believe he is center back away from having played every single position for this team. I believe Kubo played wing back against Columbus last year in Columbus. He played on the wing. He played way outside on the wing. Maybe that was wing back. I I thought he was more of a, a proper winger in that one. I'm happy to be wrong. I do feel like Kubo has played wing back before, but I yeah. I might I might be wrong. Yeah. Quick to um, Wikipedia. Do we have any college coaches that can correct you on this? <laughs> we need a college coach on this podcast that can yeah. I can incorrectly fact check us here. <laughs> but I thought that was notable. And then yeah, uh Angulo for Mosquera was another one as well, where it was like, all right, we're we're clearly uh putting bodies forward on this one. And it all leads up to the dying seconds of this game. A penalty that I'm still not entirely sure what happened. Was it a handball? Is that what happened? Uh, yeah, it was a handball. It was a handball. There, okay. hand, there were multiple handballs yeah. on the same play. You could have okay. called any number of things that would have led to a penalty on this this last at the death moment. Yeah, the first the first one the first handball would have been harsh to call because it was one of those where the Kansas City player played the ball with his foot and it bounced up and hit his outstretched arm. Which they often don't call. Right. The second one, the defender had his arms behind his back, but he leaned over. Uh, yeah. And he played yeah. the ball with his elbow. Yeah, the chicken as well, wing. Well illustrated by Matt Miazga when everybody was <laughs> crowding against the ref. Miazga put his arm behind arms behind his back and was like he was like illustrating like what he was he like acting thing. out. Like, yeah, he did the thing where he like leaned forward and he was like trying to argue with the other the other players and explain to the ref what had happened, which the ref had already called the penalty at that point. Which, and I guess they were waiting for Kansas City to clear out or for Varda. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it was it was a penalty. Like just because you have your hands behind your back doesn't, right. doesn't mean, mean you, you can't... can like spread the rest of your body out and the rest right. of your elbows out to make yourself bigger. It's like, no, my hands are behind my back. Well, motherfucker, your elbows are like ten <laughs> feet wide now. Yeah. <laughs> uh which and, like I... led to an absurd like set of moments where yes. Kansas City was screaming, Lucho is standing at the spot. At one point, it looks like the official is talking to his earpiece and waves off the penalty for a second, which was confusing. Then he cards a Kansas City player for apparently saying something and refusing to get his toes over the line. Just an absurd ending to this game and a total ref show moment. Yeah, I remember that one in particular because he gives, uh, I guess, just the closest uh, sporting 
player to him, the yellow card, and like he said, was probably mouthing off. But at that same time, there's another Kansas City player who just starts walking into the box towards the referee. And I didn't understand why he didn't get a yellow card that the guy who was, as far as I could tell from a thousand feet away, uh, was outside of the box. Very weird. But it all leads up to Lucho burying his penalty. He goes uh, to the left side, is is in the middle there, right up against the post. Well hit penalty. And it leads to a really funny moment where, one, we tie the game, goes 3-3, and half of the crowd leaves because... That's the end of the game, right? This the game is over. It is tied three to three. Psych, there's penalties. This is League's Cup. Couldn't you tell? We were at a neutral site for this game. And it is immediately followed with Acosta facing off against the keeper. The exact same situation. Just okay, like so five noticed, minutes later. I noticed this. Wouldn't you want to give lucho a break like <laughs> just let the keeper see someone else he just saw lucho's routine wouldn't you want to like you know one other person in there i know he's the captain and he's the top penalty taker but maybe maybe start with vasquez just to give a different look i don't know i mean it worked out okay he took two really good penalties yeah and i guess that's why they why he's a designated fucking player <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he places the ball in the exact same spot. This time, the keeper does guess correctly, I guess, learned from his mistake, but can't get his hand all the way on it, and it, it slips in. And we go all the way through to where FCC scores their four. They miss a real bad None. shank on their third, oh, their, their yeah. team. Yeah. And uh, Ken steps up for the, uh, the Fontas penalty, saves it. We get two points. We witnessed our very first two-pointer. Where, where, are, you at, where are you at, Cincinnati shirts? Where are you at? Where's our, fir- where's, where's our first, first, first two, two points? Yeah. <laughs> first League's Cup shootout victory. The first oh. two points in TQL Stadium history. Nothing is better than two points at home. We've all said it. Right. Um, my question for you, gentlemen, is at the end of the game, None of the normal pregame activities were allowed. They did a weird thing where, like, Lucho spoke for a second. Their captain spoke. There was a League's Cup anthem, I think. They mumbled all of the players' names when nobody was paying attention. They took everything away. But the game ends with Mr. Brightside. They they can take away the national anthem. (laughs) They can take away the player intros. But you can't take away Mr. Fucking Brightside. <laughs> I like to think that our stadium guy was tied up in a chair all game as like some evil League's Cup official with a cape and a monocle was uh, fiddling with all of the uh, the pregame sound effects and video package. And at the very moment that they win, he breaks out of his restraints, slaps the button on the Mr. Brightside player, and we're off and running. Or there was a fine that the team was just like, fuck it, we'll pay it, play Brightside. <laughs> Somebody mentioned this. I did not hear this. Maybe I had a bad speaker in front of me. Did they play a Sporting Kansas City goal celebration song when they scored? They flashed the lights. I didn't hear a song played. I didn't hear a song either. Okay. 
So, I kind of black out whenever, whenever the other team scores. So like, it's a rage-induced blackout. I just, I just have no idea what what would have happened. I'll pay more attention uh, Thursday. Chivas, when we're the yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna get deep into more about the league's cup generally in the midweek episode because I have some takes on a lot of what we've seen so far. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's the, the tournament is electric, but there's some very specific things that we could be doing a little bit better, I think, with the League's Cup. But at the end of the day, FC Cincinnati battles back down to nil. Should have lost this game multiple times, wins it on the penalty at the death. It's a never say die attitude. Lucho Acosta, when he's on the field, this team always has a chance. You want to talk about what the difference is between a rotated lineup and a non-rotated lineup? Honestly, it's one dude. Is Lucho Acosta on the field? If he's on the field, this isn't a rotated lineup. This is a winning lineup. Yeah. And I mean, the the home undefeated streak, man, I had to really think about it, continues this year. Um, do we do we count this one as a win? I guess that's a good question. Yeah. Do we I think he counted as a win. Yeah. Not one of those penalties to help advance through the the tournament but goes down historically as a draw i I think if you have a question as to what you want to call this just watch the reaction video at the end of the game everybody rushes the field (laughs) they're tackling you know ali can um matt miazga gets to take a penalty and fire the bailey up i mean this was there was a lot of good shit at the end of this game that you feel happy about walking out of it i don't care what people say a win a win after penalties is a win. Yeah. We got we got two points. They did not get two points. Right. Yeah. You know you know who makes stupid fucking statements about well, you didn't win, you just advanced on penalties. It's usually the team that didn't make their fucking PKs. So <laughs> suck on that. Uh, yeah, because it, it we we're talking about League's Cup. That would be League's Cope. <laughs> <laughs> uh the the copa america um yeah <laughs> that's that's what happened after the gold cup when the u.s lost to panama it was yeah. it was hey at least we got our vasquez back we won right? we won nations league <laughs> <laughs> oh god so yeah lovely lovely game it was a weird evening it took forever with the rain delay uh but in the end Everything that could happen in a soccer game happened in this game. And yeah, Regular if goal, nothing own goal, PK goal, PK shootout, yellow card, red card, lightning weather delay. I yeah. Mean, it was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> this is the perfect game in a lot of ways. Um so I don't know. Is there anything else we want to touch on with this game before we get to our guest? Because I do not want to leave our dear listener hanging on this, this interview here. Yeah. I didn't, I do not want to leave the listener, the listener. hanging either. Yeah. The, the hey. one listener still listening at this yeah. point. Hey Joe. <laughs> um, no, let's get to this. Uh, yeah. Lovely game. We'll see what happens with the, uh, the rest of the league's cup group. Um, we were joined, as you probably guessed by reading the title and or description of the podcast, by FC Cincinnati assistant coach Kenny Arena. Kenny is a longtime 
MLS assistant coach. His father, you might have heard of him. It's one Bruce Arena. Kenny played in this league as well, has been around a long time. His I, I really enjoy this conversation with Kenny. It's good insight to how this coaching staff operates, how they view this team, and how Kenny views this team with his experience. I think it's a, I mean, we conducted it, right? But I think it's a good interview. I think you're going to enjoy this. Um, after the interview, we're going to briefly touch on Chivas and get out of here so you don't have to feel obligated to listen to a six-hour podcast. So enjoy this interview. Oh, and joining us on the postcast, a very special guest for, I'm going to say the first time, but for a handful of us here on the Zoom call, it is not the first time. The one and only FC Cincinnati assistant coach, Kenny Arena. Kenny, how are you doing this evening? Doing great. Happy to be here. Yes, I uh... Hopefully I'm proud of you guys for recording this this time. <laughs> we're already we're already doing a better job than the last time. Like the, the bar was very low and we've already crossed that threshold, I think. <laughs> yeah, for uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, we had Kenny Arena on uh, many moons ago, uh, sometime last year. And uh, big screw up on uh, on my part right here. Hand up on me. Uh, didn't hit the record button. Just the classic, the classic podcasting mistake. And uh, no, it's just so thankful, Kenny, you, you've decided to give us another chance. I don't know how often uh, some of the FC Cincinnati players get a second chance out there after a, you know, a, an awful red card or a, a blown run or something like that. So I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you played for 60 minutes and it didn't exist ever again, you, you might not, you might not play again, but I'm back. <laughs> De depends on how, depends on what the footage looked like that you were missing. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of times in my playing career when I was, you know, more athletic where I'd like 60 minutes of what I did to disappear. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember if we had a good conversation or not. I thought it was pretty good, but you know, I, no one will ever know except for us. I, I had a good time with you guys, but the rest of the world never gets to hear it. I wasn't uh, there, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll just have to take our word that we were all hilarious. You were very charming. We had a lovely time. Uh, honestly, what killed me was it was such a good conversation. It was such a good interview. You had some really good moments. I'm truly, truly saying that it pained me so much. I, I really wish if nothing else, I had a recording of the video because right as we get towards the end of it, I realized what had happened and my, my heart sank and I just knew everything for the last five minutes was for nothing. And I was just trying to put on a good face to, to have a good conversation and get out because I was so embarrassed. <laughs> well, I, I could never handle that stuff. So, um, <laughs> I, I understand. And I do have to be, being a coach, you got to understand a lot. So no problem. Yeah. <laughs> it did provide a valuable bonding moment for everyone else that we encounter that does podcasting or media for a living. Cause to a person, every single media member, podcaster interview has said, Oh, been there. And then they share their horror story about some great exclusive. They got where the recorder didn't turn on 
or the tape was the file was corrupted or whatever. So it it did in a strange sort of way give us a little bit of street cred. So I got to thank you guys. Thank you for that. No problem. I'm back on. So you guys are good. Oh, no. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. No, Kenny, last time we talked to you, we were at the very beginning of the 2022 season. Things were... They, they, they started off a little rough for the first game, and then things started to look good after a while. Fast forward to where we are now. This team is not radically different, but radically better, at least in terms of the standings are concerned. What is the biggest difference between last year and this year? What, what are we missing? You don't think this team is radically different? I mean, in terms of the personnel and the makeup, don't get me wrong. There are some key pieces that have been brought in. But if you told me a backline of, you know, Hagland and a NCAA college draft pick and Matt Miazga was going to handle business most nights, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have believed it, that these well, guys would be setting points records. So <laughs> there's always details involved, obviously. I don't know when we spoke, if we had signed Obi. I think we spoke right before he was signed. So, yeah. So, Obi and Matt Miazga are gigantic pieces to this team. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, them integrating with the team from before they weren't part of the team when we spoke. And now, 12 months later, um, being with the team gigantic leadership uh skill um you know chemistry you know that's that's a gigantic part of our success and that's just two examples but you know the development of then the rest of the players alvaro Barial. i don't even know when we spoke if that was before he transitioned to left wing back um you know, now we've also added some other pieces as well. So, you know, when you go 12 months um, <laughs> plus a couple big pieces and development of individuals and a group, um, I, I would say it, it's a lot different um, in terms of our team. So, yeah. So, yeah. so over the last 12 months, when we spoke the last time, Kevin was saying you were kind of new into Cincinnati. The team was trending upward but not to the trajectory that it is right now was there a moment along the way where you were looking at what was being built and all of a sudden you thought to yourself okay we might have something special here no i've never been like that in my career i've always we've always just gone a little bit at a time and you try to help your team get better and, um, you know, the, the, the success that this group has had feels similar to a lot of groups that, uh, I've been fortunate to be a part of you, um, try to help everyone get better, get on the same page, you know, bring in, uh, better pieces that, you know, fit your needs and just go from there. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate to have uh, an incredible front office, an incredible coaching staff, 
and uh, a group of players that uh, are willing to be coached, that are willing to buy in to, you know, what Pat wants to do, what we all want to do in terms of like a way of playing. And, and we all work together. And, and so it, it's, it's how it goes when you become a winning team and you, you want to be a winner. Uh, it's a everyday process. So mm. it, it's, it, I'm really happy that it's worked out um, well so far. We haven't won anything yet. I know everyone's excited. <laughs> right. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, we've won trophies. We know what it takes and we understand that it's great to be uh, in first place and that the team has played well on a consistent basis, but we haven't won anything yet. So it, this, this feels similar to a lot of groups that, um, you know, Pat, myself, Dominic, uh, have been a part of that, you know, have been successful and we just keep going. Yeah. I, I was curious about that specifically. I know 2014 LA galaxy, your assistant coach, go on, win trophies, 2019 LAFC, same deal. What is it? maybe there isn't anything, but what is, is there something that you can sense with a team that, that may have sort of a, I don't know, a greatness gene there that like it feel, does it feel different than a team that I don't know, will go on to lose in the first round of the playoffs or or something like that? You know, it's just the, the process of developing a team during a season. Mm -hmm. Every year starts over. Um, you, you, you carry momentum or cohesiveness from the year before, but, you know, teams change. Uh, Honestly, I I couldn't tell you. No, I could tell you. I thought about the other day, (laughs) there's maybe six or seven players left from the team when we first started Hmm. six or seven players. Dang. So, um, you know, it's a a completely new process each year. And um, I've I've seen it happen a lot of times and for a variety of reasons, but you got to approach each year like it's something new. And if you have, you know, some continuance of the year before, you try to build on it. Uh, and, And we were fortunate to have you know, some continuance, but, you know, we lost, we've lost some good players like Brenner and, uh, you know, pretty much didn't have him for most of this season and mm-hmm. found a way to continue. We've, we've lost, you know, Brandon and Matt to the gold cup and other players for injury and other players step up. So, you know, people, you know, you ask why and how, and it's, it's every week. There's no guarantees. You have to figure out what makes the best sense and and continue to try to improve uh, the group on, on a weekly basis. So that's it. Having said that though, you mentioned the continuity from the previous year. What's different in your perspective and in the coaching staff's perspective, when you have that off season to work with, Versus last year where you guys, you know, you didn't, you know, have quite the same, you didn't coach that full year before. It was a different coaching staff, different GM staff, different front office staff. 
having that full offseason with the front office staff intact, with the coaching staff intact from the previous year, how does that help in terms of building the team to what we see this year? Yeah, this team has been built um, for the players that we for our the players we have for our best players to be at the most successful they can. You know, so um, the the team is designed around a great attacking midfielder in Lucho Acosta. You know, we we have set things up for him to be the most, and this is just one example, but to, for him to be the most successful he can be, which will help us produce goals. Um, and then, you know, we obviously signed Obi and we brought in Junior Moreno and uh, we've helped develop Brandon Vasquez. We brought in Sergio um, and then in the back, we brought in Matt Miazga. You know, we've helped develop uh, Nick Hagland. We've helped develop Ian Murphy. You know, we've brought in Yerson Mascara. You know, we've helped develop Roman Celentano. So <laughs> this is this is this is how it goes. You know, Alvaro Barrial transitioned to a new position. You know, we've got Alvis and Ray and Santi. So it's step by step. You know, I, I pretty much rattled it off there. <laughs> not, not in the most respectful way, but um, it, this is how it goes every year. You, you take piece by piece, week by week. And if you have a great group together, a good coaching staff, and you find a way to connect with the players and connect with, you know, everyone, you, you build it as you go. Yeah. I, I, love, I love to hear that. I'm curious then how this plays into that, which is, the team's on a roll. Obviously, you said, haven't won anything yet, but you'd rather be Cincinnati than just about anybody else on the table right now. Um, unless you're, I guess, Miami, maybe. I could see an argument. <laughs> but um, with the team going so well and doing so well, how does bringing in someone like an Aaron Bupenza, how does that play out adding somebody to this chemistry, this team that is doing well? And like you said, Brenner hasn't been available for most of the year. He's sort of the sort of obvious Brenner replacement there. How do you go about integrating a new signing into a team on a roll like this? You know, when you bring in a new player, it takes time to acclimate to the league, uh, build uh, chemistry and relationships with his teammates. I think everyone can see the talent that Aaron has and the willingness to be a part of what we're doing. You know, that was, I think, a big part in, um, you know, Chris Albright, Hunter Freeman, uh, Kyle McCarthy, identifying, uh, speaking to, and then eventually signing Aaron. Um, so, you know, we're only a few weeks in and we can already tell it's only gonna get better. So he's gonna play a big part Hopefully, you know, Brenner scored 18 goals last year, helped us get into the playoffs, you know, was a gigantic part of our team. And uh, Aaron's going to be a big part of our team as well. But you have to understand it takes time uh, to acclimate to a team and, and this league. So he's doing a good job, you know, for the couple of weeks he's been a part of it. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, hats off to the uh, the recruitment team there. I think his first touch was a flying behind the back, backheeled pass. And I thought this might be the best MLS player of all time. This is this is great. <laughs> this is how he's coming out firing. <laughs> so I wanted to, I wanted to circle back to to this idea of you talked about players that are willing to be coached. And the player that I think that see I see the most of that in is one you've mentioned before, Alvaro Barrial. When we last talked, he was a new transition to a new position. As a coaching staff, how do you go about taking a young player like that, who I'm sure has dreams of moving on to bigger and better places than Cincinnati, Ohio with his career, and how do you get him to trust you when you move him to a position that isn't one that he's played extensively before and get that trust of, trust us we think this is going to work and we think this is going to help you get where you want to go. Well, Alvaro deserves a majority of the credit. He has a great mindset. The, the, the biggest motivator for him was that he wanted to play. And uh, due to the circumstances of the beginning of last year, you know, we found this formation that best suited the players that we had and Alvaro was a winger, a left or a right winger, maybe in a, a front three, a majority of his career. And that no longer existed on our team. So if he wanted to play, he had to be a left wing back. And when uh, Matarita got hurt, the opportunity came up for him to play there. And... He wanted to play so bad, and he's very competitive, very smart, and uh, even keeled that he said, you know what, I'm going to embrace this. And having never played the position in his life um, <laughs> over last season and now until now, I mean, you even see him in the all-star game, and he's defending you know, one of the best wingers in the world. And maybe he was beaten once, but he still recovered. And in the couple moments where he was on an island, you know, he did incredible. And he has um, different ideas, different tricks uh, to be effective as a defender. And he's constantly trying to, uh, gain an edge on attackers defensively, you know, in terms of attacking, um, maybe it benefits him from the wingback position coming a little bit late, arriving a little bit late, receiving the ball in a little bit more space, being able to dribble, find space to cross. He's a very efficient uh, player with the ball. Um, but for him to become a better defender, he deserves all the credit. He is completely tuned in into whatever it takes to win. And when you have very competitive people, they're willing to adjust. And so he's a perfect example of an of a ultimate competitor that has found a way to adjust and improve uh, on the defensive end in a position he never played in his life. So, you know, he's found, he's found a, uh, another aspect of his career that will benefit him 
and he's he's done a great job so far so yeah 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 i mean <laughs> going on to uh become i i think it's inarguable now the best uh, outside back in MLS, like that's it's a heck of a transition in 12 months for a guy, like you said, who had not really played the position at all before then. Um, with a guy like Bariel in particular, and, and Brenner was obviously sort of the poster child for, for what I'm about to ask here, but how as a coaching staff do you manage a locker room where you have – some guys coming in right off of, you know, the the academy team, you got college draft picks, you got MLS journeymen, and you got guys like Brenner and Barial who clearly have an eye and and dare I say the talent to to go overseas to Europe. How what is that balancing act like? The case by case basis, you know, and it involves not just the players ambitions but the team's ambitions and the timing so it yeah is, uh, the common term is this is football mm. this is soccer <laughs> you know this is business this is life this is you know being in high professions this happens yeah. you know whether you're working for amazon or microsoft and someone's trying to steal you away <laughs> um, you know, this, this happens in all aspects of life. So it, yeah. this, it, at high levels of business, this is what happens. And, um, you know, it's a case by case basis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's, I apologize. My cat is attacking me right now. I'm trying <laughs> very hard to, to stay calm <clears throat> under pressure to channel my inner Barial here. Um, don't, don't stop the record button. <laughs> yeah. no, that'll be the excuse this time as the cat turns the recording off and this will never see the light of day again. Keep him away from the keyboard. I think, yeah, so, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> so speaking of, you guys probably covered this last time, but like I said, like I wasn't there. I'm curious, like what, you know, you, you've coasted a lot of places. You've been, I think, in the national team and a number of successful um, MLS programs. Like what what sold you on the Cincinnati project? You know, what what made it an attractive team to come to come join the staff of? My relationship with Pat Noonan, you know, just a, a blind leap of faith. And, um, obviously I knew Chris Albright as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I knew it would be a, a huge challenge and there was no guarantees and that's what I wanted. I wanted no guarantee of success. I wanted to know that I was working with good people smart and talented people and i believed that we could be successful so i there was absolutely no guarantees and, and that's the main reason i took the job and so in your 12 months on the job or longer than that but like in the time that you've been here since we spoke last has anything surprised you that you didn't expect about joining cincinnati coming to this club and the experiences you've had since joining yeah the the ownership uh, what they provide um, in terms of the stadium and facilities and uh, the resources, they got all that right. And, you know, I've worked for a lot of clubs and I won't go into specifics, but 
everything you need, this club is willing to provide. Uh, and when, you know, now we're successful. Um, so when, when people come and visit our club and our stadium and our fan base uh, and, and the work that has gone into to building that, they're very impressed. Um, and then on the, on the other side of things, uh, we love Cincinnati, my family, um, you know, Pat and myself live in Terrace park. We live one block away. We drive, <laughs> you know, five to 10 minutes to the training facility. We absolutely love our life off the field. So, um, the culture on and off the field ha has been incredible and, you know, my wife and me lived in Manhattan Beach. We like Cincinnati more than Manhattan Beach. <laughs> <laughs> so, like anyone that's ever like stepped foot in Manhattan Beach and you know gone to the pier, like when when I tell people from California that Cincinnati is incredible, we absolutely love it. Like they believe us because we've been to the one of the great one of the greatest places in the states. So <laughs> seems like you guys have settled right in the society culture of basically like living next to your friend and then also working with your friend and then spending all your time with with the person you came up with. <laughs> and, and we don't take it for granted. Yeah. You know, we have a great relationship. You know, Pat's an incredible guy. You, you guys, you know, obviously the work that has been done. Uh, speaks for itself, but off the field, you know, he has a high level of integrity. Um, he loves, you know, being around good people. Uh, he has a great sense of humor and um, there's, there's really no other way to do it, you know, for him and for us to just have a great staff uh, that loves working together and, you know, doing whatever it takes. I, uh, I had to laugh when you said he has a great sense of humor. I think there's a fair number of fans that would be surprised to learn that uh, Pat Noonan smiles occasionally. He's, he's very stoic on the sidelines there. He's all business. <laughs> he's he's funny in his press conferences. Like yeah. he, he has those like dry moments <laughs> that I, I really appreciate. Yeah. So you've had uh, a front row seat to watching Pat Noonan as his coaching career starts. What do you think? Um, has been the biggest part of what Pat has done and brought to this team that has been responsible for the success that he's had as a manager right from jump, really. There, there's, there's no way to answer that question in terms of like one thing. Uh, you know, the best coaches do so many things well that connect the dots. So it would be an injustice to all great coaches to just like settle on a couple things. The best coaches do so many things. Well, um, Pat is incredibly organized, you know, and I'm going to start to get into a couple things, but <laughs> incredibly organized, very smart, very even keeled. Um, you know, he knows, how to manage uh, a lot of different situations. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's not just one thing. It, it's uh, day by day. Building a good team is a process and it takes 
steady decisions every day. You, you, you're, you know, you plan, but things come up every day and you make adjustments. And so Pat makes incredible adjustments uh, and uh, smart adjustments. And um, he's a very strong leader. So it's, um, you know, I could name another 10 things that he does very well. And that's what you would probably describe a lot of very successful people, CEOs, managers, this is how they are, not just like two or three things. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he left out a big one, which is he has you as an assistant coach, obviously, that plays a large <laughs> role here. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm, I'm curious if, if you are like me in that you are incredibly annoyed that one inner Miami was able to sign Lionel Messi and apparently all of his best friends off of Barcelona's squad there, uh, right as we we're about to face them in the Open Cup semifinal. I'm curious, are you more annoyed by this being allowed to happen? Or are you excited for the challenge and the opportunity it, it presents this team? I'm excited. <laughs> I, you know, my, my son asked me all the time, like, what do you think about this? And I said, well, <laughs> your grandfather had a similar situation before you were born. Hmm. <laughs> he inherited the last place team in the league, you know, that had David Beckham and Landon Donovan and MLS was, you know, always really hoping that they were a good team. And, um, you know, the, the, then they eventually signed Robbie Keane. I don't have the specifics, right. But I think, <laughs> the league, the league changed some rules to allow <laughs> you know, to have three designated players. So this has happened before. Yeah. Still coming together to be a, a winning team is extremely difficult. Um, but I, I think it's a great thing for the league and, you know, I, whatever they're doing um, to make it all work um, is probably close to being fair. So did I you watch, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, no, no problem. but, uh, did, did you watch the game Friday? Uh, Messi's debut. Cruz Azul. I, I watched it. Yeah. yeah. When you saw the free kick where you take, you take some notes down. <laughs> <laughs> He's done it a lot. Yeah. You know? And, and when he hits his free kicks, the, the ball rotates sideways more than, uh, top to bottom. So, when someone takes a free kick and the ball is rotating sideways, the outside of your wall better be tall. And uh, Cruz Azul didn't do that. Hmm. The, smallest, the smallest guy in their wall was on the outside. And he didn't jump. He ran, actually ran back towards the first post. So oh. I think that was actually a tactical mistake on their part. He was hmm. on you know, the left side of the goal, his left side, you know, he's left footed player and the outside of their wall should have been the tallest. Hmm. So, um, yeah. It just snuck around uh, the outside of their wall and 
it was obviously an incredible shot. So probably the biggest mistake was conceding a free kick to a Lionel Messi team in that spot. <laughs> Try not to do that, I guess. That's, that that sometimes that's out of your control. You know, yeah. it was a foul or not. Um, you know, then you just move on to the next thing. How do you take care of it? Yeah. yeah. So you're in the middle of like we're talking about the League's Cup, obviously, that uh Messi's debut came in. We were referencing earlier the open cup as well, where we will be potentially facing his lordship Lionel. There's a lot of competition. Potentially. Potential well, well, we'll definitely get, uh, Yeah. We'll definitely some, face him in the open cup, potentially in the League's Cup. Who knows? I know we'll be in the championship game. I don't know if they will. But um <laughs> The fixture congestion this year is real, especially for a team like FC Cincinnati, where they have we have advanced deep into the Open Cup. How, as a coaching staff, does this present different challenges from years past in terms of managing minutes, managing opportunities, and also keeping focus on the various goals that the team has over the course of the year? This is a this is the first year this has ever happened in terms of having a, a thirty day break in the middle of the season. Um, so uh, you know, for us, we approached this first part of the year like we always would have, um, but the schedule was more congested. You know, I, I've I grew up around this league. I didn't work in the league, but I've seen. I've seen, you know, 20 to 30 games a year since 1996. And I can't remember a year where the league was this congested, um, you know, before and during the summer um, with more teams, more games, you know, Champions League, Open Cup, you know, so it was a and Gold Cup. This was a, a very crazy stretch. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I think moving forward, um, the league will, you know, do its best to adjust and prepare uh, the rosters for it. But, you know, obviously you guys saw, we, we were stretched thin, um, especially when the Gold Cup started, losing players. And, and, and you never... You never want to, you never want to, uh, not have players that are part of national teams, you know? Right. So, so, so it, it, it's, if your players are performing well, they're going to be selected for their countries. You always support them to go, you know, they, they, and then you know, the chips fall where they are. And, you know, for us this year, we probably were affected as bad as most teams. And we found a way to survive during a, a very heavy stretch. Uh, and now, you know, the League's Cup is, you know, somewhat of a break. And then when the League's Cup ends, it's going to be super congested again. So it, it's, um, it's the first year you know, since 1996 that I think the league has had this much of a congested schedule and hopefully all of us in the league are able to find ways to prepare ourselves better next year, because 
you know, this is what the most, this is what most of the world deals with on a consistent basis. Right. Um, with an extensive uh, amount of resources. Um, So we are, you know, if we want to do this again, I have no idea if they're going to do Leagues Cup again. You know, no one has any idea if the Leagues Cup will be in the United States again, in in Mexico at some point. You know, you've got Copa America, you've got the World Club Championships, you've got the World Cup. You know, so you've got these gigantic tournaments coming up in the United States um, in the next couple summers. And um, it, this is the first time, you know, this is the second World Cup in our lifetime um, that's uh, happening. So, yeah, I think this was all a first. And hopefully uh, this year uh, prepares us, you know, for the future of, of more games, more competitions you know, more chances at trophies, um, you know, building an extensive roster. Um, so, yeah. With we, um, We've done okay so far. Yeah. yeah. With this long interruption to the season, right, with for the League's Cup, and obviously, you know, last night, uh, there was a little bit of a different starting lineup than we've seen in most of the um, League's games. Is there... Is is there difficulty in trying to, you know, keep Leagues Cup from disrupting the kind of groove you guys were in in the season? Is there a temptation to step back and like tinker and figure out if there's different ways to to play when you when you return to league play? Um what I I guess I'm I'm wondering like what kinds of challenges to, does this disruption Opposed to what you're doing with the team now, and then how you're gonna have the team, you know, ready to finish out what hopefully ends in a ends in you know a trophy or several. You know, this is obviously a different competition from our league. You know, from the Open Cup, but it's really no different than. Any week, you know, I think someone told us at some point we've started 20 to 21 different lineups throughout 25 games throughout mm-hmm. the season. So, you know, we've had a different lineup uh, against uh, Sporting Kansas City. And that's the 22nd different lineup that we've had you know <laughs> it's not like it's not like we're taking sure uh, yeah. an approach because it's the league's cup there's uh, always uh different circumstances that come up every week and um uh, at any given week you have an ideal lineup and so that was that was this week and hopefully against chivas you know we're ready to go with our best lineup to win. And uh, that's what I say about that. It has nothing to do with it being a different competition. This is just circumstances. And with the League's Cup, with the League's Cup format, were you excited to watch a penalty shootout at the end of the match? Or was there <laughs> yeah. another play another 15 minutes and do it the normal no. style? No. I I I when they when they FIFA, whoever came up with, you know, in summer tournaments, uh, getting rid of extra time 
I, I, I think that was a great idea. You know, play players are playing at the highest level. They're playing like 50, 60 games a year. So that that's insane. Yeah. And so when you eliminate a little bit extra during the summer and, and Liga MX is, you know, three games into their season, you know, we're obviously over halfway through our season. I, I think in terms of uh, respecting uh, the health of players that when you, when you throw in, you know, more events uh, just going straight to penalty kicks it is okay. And, um, and penalty kicks are incredibly exciting for fans, mm-hmm. extremely stressful for coaching staffs, <laughs> you know, and, and fans, you know, but yeah. it, you know, it's, it's a nut in terms of like entertainment. Um, it, it's as good as it gets. So I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I am. I, the only, only critique would be, I really do wish they would go for this tournament to the NASL running PKs. I think that would be absolutely electric content if they could bring that back just for the league's cup. What is, what is NASL? What do you mean? Well, or, or MLS, you know, original MLS penalty yeah. kick style. MLS 1.0. Oh, the, okay. you mean the running, like a, running PK from midfield and yeah. <laughs> where Lucho Acosta becomes the greatest PK taker of all time when he can get a running start with a dribble. <laughs> Although he's doing pretty well in the current style as well. <laughs> very true. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was 14 or 15 when I would watch DC United practicing, you know, their shootout PKs, you know, Jeff Agus, Jaime Moreno, Marco Echeverry, and, and even even goalkeepers, you know, figuring out how they were gonna take one, two, three, four touches, blast it, chip a guy, dribble <laughs> around the keeper. Yeah, that that was fun. Yeah, apparently uh, old Garth Lagerway was like one of the best uh, keepers in that format, which I always found was funny. Um, no, Kenny, you've been incredibly generous with your time. You've you, you've mentioned to us earlier, you've got family over. I certainly don't want to keep you any longer. Uh, I will just ask you one last question. This is, this is a, a fan question uh, that, or a topic that comes up amongst fans. Uh, you know, a lot of people see teams prioritizing some competitions over others. I would just like a confirmation from you. Is FC Cincinnati trying to win everything? Of course. That's what I wanted to hear, baby. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you want to be a part of winners. You know, you want to be around people that want to win and do whatever it takes to win. So that what would we not be trying to win? <laughs> hey, man, ask ask these teams rotating during the Open Cup. It always blew my mind. You're like four or five games away from a trophy. You might as well go for it. <laughs> oh, God. Well, Kenny, thank you so, so much again uh, for coming on. I'm about to click the uh, stop recording button. So I think we've done this one successfully. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, guys. Very nice to talk to you. Excited for the next time we get to speak. Yep, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Take care. We're back. And huge thank you again to Kenny for coming on the pod. 
if we're coming back on the pod, I mean, we yeah. joked about it enough, but I, it's a good, it's a good, I don't know, redemption story for us. And I'll say me specifically, because I feel like we, we made up for that. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> you successfully hit record this time. I just, I never, I'll never look at a Leo Messi free kick the same way ever again. God, that is so true. And I did wish we had like dug in more because I will say that insight was brilliant. And I feel pretty good about playing Messi now. Our coaching staff knows how to go up against this guy. I don't mind it. <laughs> Bring it's it like, on. Uh, it's like uh, uh, they say like Batman would beat any superhero if you give him sufficient prep time. Yeah. I feel that way about our coaching staff. That sounds right. Give yeah. him a month to figure out Messi. <laughs> Which I guess means the no best No one else super- has ever tried before, so... <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> All of La Liga only had, what, 15 years to sort him out. <laughs> I, uh, I do like that, uh, that money is the ultimate superpower in that case, because that man doesn't have a superpower. Anyway, um, let's talk about this Chivas game happening on Thursday. Chivas Guadalajara. I will say, um, and we'll touch more on this later this week about the the totality of the league's cup. Uh, but I was looking at the uh, the Liga MX uh, subreddit today, and you want to talk about cope? They are all saying like all of the the Mexican teams that have lost so far are really shitty, and just wait until America and Monterrey and Chivas get a chance to whoop up on these MLS teams. Mexico is going to redeem itself. They're feeling pretty good about their chances in this one. I don't know, Chief. How are we feeling? How could you not feel good? I mean, vibes remain high. Yeah. This is, it's a good team, good players, in form. We're going to see more Aaron Bapenza. That's only going to get better as it goes along, as he gets more integrated, I think. Um, but it's going to be a test. I think the one thing, and we'll talk more about this later this week, I think that we, as the people that, you know, official podcast of the League's Cup, <laughs> may have underrated a little bit the difficulty of travel for yeah. these Liga Amekis teams. I think that I saw there's at least one team that got stranded in Canada because Leon. of issues. It was Leon, which Leon. Uh, I wish I'd seen that before I put money on them to beat uh, <laughs> the Galaxy. Yeah. The Galaxy, yeah. I was like, oh. they just beat they just beat LEFC. Like come <laughs> <Yeah>. on. Yeah. <laughs> so um Maybe when, you know, the big heavy hitters of Mexico show up, things will be different when Guadalajara, Chivas, when, you know, America, maybe. But until that happens, I'm going to believe that this is a really we've seen this is a much tougher tournament for these Liga MX teams that are at the start of their year, um, only three or four games in with heavy travel requirements. So, yeah, I feel good. I think, you know, I no result would surprise me, but I feel good. Yeah. Grayson, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I just this feels like something you would know, and I apologize for putting you on the spot. Does a draw against Chivas get us through? I thought I've I've been trying to work out the permutations in my head. Um yes. Because head to head, no shit, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no, um, it, would ha- it would have to because the only way, 
Well, I guess I mean if a draw if we get a draw, doesn't that mean? Fuck, okay, I'm doing so math. God damn it! If okay, so if we if we tied and lost in penalties, we'd yeah. be at three points. Okay, yeah. and Chivas would be at two. Kansas City would be at one. If Kansas City and Chivas go to penalties, and Kansas City wins, all three teams are on three points. Okay. But we will have the tiebreaker over Kansas City for having. But Kansas City will have the tiebreaker over Chivas. This is a uh, Spider-Man meme. And Chivas have a tiebreaker over us. This that is the is, end of Reservoir Dogs, my that friend. Is it goal so, scored? I don't, don't know. They, don't they call this a Mexican standoff? Actually, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on, a league's Come cup on. standoff. Come on, BPC. We're, but there are too many people listening to this <laughs> podcast now for us to start. For us to go back to the old ways. <laughs> <laughs> um so so direct head to head in in it for the tiebreakers a penalty win is a win. Yeah, okay. For head to head, okay. Uh goal differential is the second one that would be 0 for everybody. Right. And so 3 greater number of goals scored during the group stage. That makes sense. So us in Kansas City both have 3. It's pretty good. Pretty good. And, presu- and then we would have the same number as Chivas for game if two. Draw them, so then yeah. it would come down to how many goals are scored between, between Chivas and Kansas City um, game three. This is also wow. like running through the basketball playoff scenarios. <laughs> and if that yes. doesn't solve things, potato sack races will be held on Friday to determine a person, the team that advances. So I think, I think that like a tie, we're sitting pretty. Because whether you get one, if you get two points, we're through. Yeah. Period. If you get one point, you're sitting pretty because Chivas and Kansas City have to play for something. Right. If we lose in regulation, then the question is, how motivated is Chivas to... Um, to, yeah. to play Kansas City? When they're through already and will not need a result. Right, right. Oof. Okay. So there's still, what I'm hearing is, there's still everything to play for here. And playing for a draw is not necessarily the best play, although you can see it working out in a lot of combinations here. I mean, yeah. And like playing for a draw... I don't know if it's something you you can right. ever really do. It maybe affects like a late game decision. Right. But tell, they, tell Lucho not to try. Yeah. But the result. <laughs> but the fact is that they're going into the game looking to get a result. Yeah. I guess. OK, so here's what playing for a draw would look like. It would be uh, Mosquera, Miazga and Obi like all starters across the back line and defensive midfield. And then like Kubo and Ordonez up top. That's yeah, playing right. for the yeah, draw. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, that's, just a, that's just a recipe for disaster. As well. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> he won't possess the ball enough to even get a draw. Oh man. So. Uh, did we predict the Kansas city game? I don't think we did. I don't think we did, so let's not predict Chivas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, it's going to be tough. I do think we predicted us to get out of the group. So uh, yeah, if I we're could. Stick, we're sticking with that. 
we're thinking yeah, our prediction is that us and Chivas get out of the group. Yeah. So in that case, let's say we get at least two points against Chivas and Chivas beats Kansas City is more or less what we are predicting then by by virtue of our previous predictions. And we would be first in the group by virtue of having quote unquote beat Chivas. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. There's our prediction. I don't know how much of a preview you want, but uh, if you wanted a breakdown of Chivas, go back a uh, an episode in the timeline uh, on your uh, on your podcast feed. You can get the full group breakdown and the uh, the full Chivas breakdown there. Uh, but otherwise, hoping for an electric atmosphere in uh, in TQL on Thursday and. What Kansas City and Chivas then play Sunday? They play the thirty first. Monday. Oh, yeah. Our podcast schedule is going to be all off out of whack because I want to see if we get out of the group. I think before we record again. So yeah, we'll I see. think so. So we'll see what we'll see exactly how the the schedule lays out. Maybe we. I don't know. Tweet out what our plan is as soon as we come up with one. Yeah. Um, Folks, just subscribe. It'll along. show up in the it'll yeah. show up in your in your feed. Just come don't on. worry about it. It'll yeah. come up, it'll be a nice little treat. It's a vibes-based podcast. Everybody knows this. <laughs> and you know what that vibe really is? What's that? Fuck Columbus. That's the vibe. Yes, it is. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content, as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, and as well, you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button, please like us, review us, subscribe to us, wherever you are getting your podcast, that is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.